New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara sees his court hearing continued for a third time, this time for two months. What it means for the New Orleans Saints and could this keep happening for Alvin Kamara and what that would mean for the team? We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credentialed member of the media. You can find me every day over at USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And the biggest story for tonight's episode is simple. Alvin Kamara very likely now set to be available for the New Orleans Saints to open up the season, which changes everything about that New Orleans Saints offense. Alvin Kamara's court hearing was scheduled for today after being continued, or in other words, postponed twice. And now it has been postponed or continued a third time for two months, according to reports. That means that the New Orleans Saints running back should be available for the first three weeks of the season before that hearing even takes place. So we're going to break down what that means to the New Orleans Saints. We're going to break down whether or not we should continue to see this going on all throughout the season. And of course, what it means if Alvin Kamara ends up suspended late in the season. But the first big takeaway here when we look at this is that there has been a lot of conversation around Alvin Kamara based upon his legal proceedings. Remember, the NFL is not going to hand down any kind of discipline until the legal process has come to a close, until that legal process has concluded. That legal process could conclude with a guilty verdict, a not guilty verdict, It could be that charges get dropped. It could be that he's found guilty, but of a misdemeanor. It could be that the charge drops to a misdemeanor and then things settle out of court. There's so many different ways that this can all end up sort of coming to a conclusion, but that has to happen in the court of the law first before the court of the NFL, even so much as steps in. There's a couple of different reasons for that. First of all, you don't want to act too quickly and then something come up in the case that you weren't prepared for. You don't want to influence the court because if the NFL suspends Alvin Kamara for the first six games before the legal process has wrapped up, that's effectively the NFL saying, well, we think he's guilty. And so all of those things end up impacting the legal process, and it shouldn't be that way, right? The legal process should impact the NFL's process, not the other way around, especially considering some of the decisions that the NFL continues to make. So with that being the case, we shouldn't expect... Alvin Kamara to not or to yeah to not be available at the beginning of the season because at this point that hearing isn't even going to happen again until October. So that means that he should be available to start the season for the New Orleans Saints barring anything unforeseen. So what does that mean? First of all, it means that the New Orleans Saints open up against three division rivals with their key piece in Alvin Kamara. That's big because that allows the New Orleans Saints if they can go 3 and 0 to open the season to get a nice little jump start on the division. Alvin Kamara, of course, a huge 
part in that conversation. The other way that it ends up impacting the New Orleans Saints is that they can now basically focus going into the season throughout training camp, knowing they'll have Alvin Kamara to open the season. They'll need to be prepared to not have him at some point during the season, potentially, but we'll talk about why that might not be the case here in just a second. It also lessens any concerns in the running back room behind Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. There have been a lot of question marks about undrafted free agent Abram Smith. Can he rise to the occasion once that gap starts to close up between the veterans and the young guys? Can Tony Jones Jr. be the guy the Saints hoped that he would be after a fantastic training camp in preseason last year? Does Devin Azigbo end up becoming a guy that, you know, is maybe a little bit unsung, but has been the most consistent running back, in my opinion, behind those guys? Does Malcolm Brown solve your problem in terms of getting another veteran running back? Now, you don't have to answer those questions with as much urgency as you would have had Kamara gone to that hearing today or had that hearing remain today. And he could have allowed maybe his representation to handle him, things like that, especially with him as a defendant. And you know, if he would have ended up being found guilty in that or going to a trial after that or whatever, then that could have influenced the NFL. Things could have moved a little bit more quickly. Now, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And speaking of things not moving quickly, is there a reality that this ends up playing out throughout the entire season? Yeah, there is a chance that this continues again. I mean, one more continuation takes this thing from August, I mean, from October to December, takes this thing from October to January. I mean, at that point, you have the process, the legal process that would then need to just get started and then wrap up before the NFL comes through. You have a little bit of a delay before the NFL comes through with their discipline. You can then appeal the NFL's decision and you can play in the midst of that appeal, which usually takes a couple of weeks as well. One of the reasons why Deontay Hardy's suspension last year was so late in the season was because of the appeals process taking a couple of weeks. So there's a chance that Alvin Kamara plays the entire 2022 NFL season and then this comes back around in 2023. That's the good news. The sort of worst case scenario is if you get to, let's say, week 12, and then all of a sudden, Alvin Kamara ends up suspended for the last six games of the season while you're potentially fighting for a playoff spot, let alone playoff positioning. So certainly don't want to see it go that way. But even then, at least you have the entire season to figure out where you want to go behind AK, whether it be with Mark Ingram, and you know how his health is going to hold up by the time you get there or one of these other younger guys that ends up popping off. But again, you're going to replace Alvin Kamara with a committee as opposed to just replacing Alvin Kamara within the committee. So all in all, good news for the New Orleans Saints. There's still a lurking question mark about like if this takes place at the end of the season, how that impacts them. But I think you look at the New Orleans Saints and sort of their calm around this entire situation, and you know that maybe they know something that we all don't know. And so far, we're seeing all of that play out. It's one of the reasons why I'm not too worried about the whole Tyron Matthew thing, because the organization doesn't seem to be worried about it. So far, that's proving right with Alvin Kamara. I imagine that would prove right with Tyron Matthew as well. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at some camp highlights from day five. I can't play them here on YouTube, but we can certainly talk through them because that New Orleans Saints defense absolutely dominated with the pads going on. So we'll break all of those big plays down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. And of course, we're able to do this every single Monday through Friday thanks to our exclusive online betting partners over at Bet Online. You want to check out win totals for the New Orleans Saints, game odds for 11 regular season games, as well as the Houston Texans playoff game, which is just about a week and a half away, which is absolutely insane 
who are already that close to football. Like there's football this Thursday. The Hall of Fame game is this week. So you want to get in on any of those odds. You can check all of them out over at Bet Online. You can also get in on the NBA, MLB, NHL, uh, uh, combat sports. There's esports. There's so much for you to check out. Horse racing, golf, whatever. They've got it for you over at Bet Online, your number one source for all sports wagering information, sports wagering articles, sports wagering podcasts, advice. All of it is there for you. You can get to it via your mobile device, laptop, desktop, whatever it is that you use, so you can keep up with all the trends and action over at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks so much again, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. I appreciate you so much for being here. Don't forget, we're also doing live episodes every day that the Saints have a training camp session. So we go live right after that. We take some questions from that, and then we answer them here in these pre-recorded evening episodes. So we're going to get to some of your questions from earlier on today. But first, I wanted to just go through... I've uh, got five highlights from day five of camp, the first day of padded practices. This is what really felt like football today, right? Like these guys getting out there as a part, you know, with the padded practices, all of that, actually getting some hits on one another. We saw Demario Davis put a lick on somebody. We saw Justin Evans start almost put a lick on somebody. I mean, these guys were very physical and the defense absolutely dominated the day, but there is one offensive highlight as well. So let's start off with the offensive highlight here. Jarvis Landry actually had a moment where he came up limping after a one-on-one rep, but then came back out, was okay. He ended up finishing practice. He's he just fine. Uh, we'll see what happens like once he gets to rest on it. You know how it is sometimes. You don't feel it until later. So it's definitely something to watch. But he went out and put an absolutely devastating move off the line of scrimmage on cornerback Bradley Roby. He comes off the line, and this is we talked about this months ago now, weeks ago now, and we should reprise this conversation. One of the things that's going to be different about the New Orleans Saints wide receiver core in 2022 that wasn't there in 2021 was their ability to create separation. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, all of these guys really, really good at creating separation. They're subtle with their hips. They stay low. They sell vertical routes. Remember, for any wide receiver coming off the line of scrimmage, you want to convince by driving upfield, keeping your shoulders low, keeping your hips low, all of that. You want to convince that DB that you are trying to fly right past them. And then you take your break out of that, keeping your hips low and doing all of these other things. So Jarvis Landry showed you why that's so valuable. He came with a stutter step off the line of scrimmage, uh, ended up pushing upfield, but making a quick cut inside, completely lost Bradley Ruby, left him in the dust and ended up getting a, what would have been a short yardage gain that he could have put some, y- put some yak yards on afterwards. That's the type of thing we haven't seen in New Orleans or didn't see in New Orleans that much in 2021 that Jarvis Landry brings you with that veteran savvy uh, for you. Okay. Now let's get to the defense. I love me some defense. New Orleans Saints defense has been absolutely outstanding. Demario Davis was asked after practice, does this New Orleans Saints defense have what it takes to be the best defense in the NFL next year? And he was basically saying like, look, we're not trying to be the best defense in the NFL in 2022. We're trying to be the best defense ever. So that's the way the mentality that these guys are going on. And the chip is on the shoulder and you can see it play out Uh, in one-on-ones. Just throw a dart at a board of any pulse and a Debo rep during one-on-ones because the guy was just out of his mind throughout one-on-ones. He had a nice pass breakup downfield on Jarvis Landry, another couple of pass breakups on Chris Olave. He had some pass breakups in team drills on Chris Olave while Chris Olave's coming 
full speed across the line across the formation and Paulson Adibos keeping pace with one of the fastest players in this year's draft and knocking the ball away. I mean, he was just outstanding, but he had a really nice one on uh Paulson or excuse me, on Chris Olave going out of bounds, all this good stuff. He was just outstanding throughout this practice and has been outstanding throughout training camp thus far. Another defensive back comes up with an interception today, not just Justin Evans, but Demarcus Fields also got one-on-one on ones. If it wasn't an interception on one-on-ones, it might've been my play of the day earlier today. We'll rehash our play of the day here in just a second, but he got an interception on Kevin White and one-on-ones that was literally just taking the ball out of his hand. I mean, he is in blanket coverage over Kevin White. The ball drops in and he just basically says, excuse me, that's mine now. Kind of the way that like Shaq would like, instead of just blocking a, 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 a shot or a layup off the off the backboard, he just like grab it. It was that kind of attitude, like just really, really good stuff from Demarcus Fields there. I don't know how he came up with it because he never really turned around. But hey, sometimes you see the receiver come up with with his hands to make a catch, and your role as a wide receiver is to do what? Get or, or as a DB is to do what? Get your hand in between those hands. He just ended up taking it all away from him. Ended up just taking the cookies, as uh, <laughs> as they would say in the Pelicans broadcast. Uh, Caden Ellis had a beautiful run stop today. The Saints did a lot of their early team period was a lot of run, run, run. And, um, you know, getting the pads on really got an opportunity to see the offensive line and defensive line and see the linebackers and running backs really go after one another. And Caden Ellis was all over the field throughout the run game. He, as well as DeMarco Jackson, making some really nice plays in the run game. So too did Shai Tuttle. A lot of standouts in terms of what the run protection is going to be. But there was one in particular you got Andrews Pete coming around with a beautiful uh, pull and, and block on the outside. Did a great job there. But Caden Ellis coming around, he wasn't the guy that Andrews Pete was supposed to block. Andrews Pete was picking up the defensive end. But Caden Ellis came around the formation almost from the other side and ended up just beating everybody else to the hole effectively. Sort of like what you see Demario Davis do pretty consistently to where, you know, Demario Davis is already through making a tackle before the offensive line or the or the blockers that are responsible for him even turn their heads upfield. That's kind of what Caden Ellis did too. So a really, really nice play and series of plays by him. Again, Shy Tuttle with some nice uh damage in the run game as well, particularly on the defensive interior. And then finally my play of the day was Justin Evans stepping in front of Kevin White on the Ian Book pass. Look, Ian Book underthrew it. Not a lot of velocity on that ball. And Book has done a really great job throughout camp so far, making the right decisions, being accurate, all of that. This one, he just took a shot down the field, took a little bit of a risk, probably would have been sacked before he threw the ball anyway. That third string offensive line did not hold up great against a third string defensive line today. Uh, but Justin Evans being able to come up and make that interception is good. I mean, you, you're able to see him read Ian Book. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to get one in there. It was scholastic. Uh, what what Justin Evans was able to do. But I mean, he, he the reason why it's so important is because let's not forget that outside of Alvin Kamara's legal process, there's also the Marcus May legal process on the way this month too for a DUI from like 16, 17 months ago for over a year ago that could end up, you know, he could end up going through that legal process that coming to an end before the season and he could end up suspended for the first three games of the season, right? So now you have a guy like Justin Evans who's showing you all of the great things that he can do and he could be that guy along with PJ Williams, Tyron Matthew when he returns, um, you know, Smoke Monday, Bryce Thompson, whoever the other safeties are that rise up there or that come up there, including CJ Gardner Johnson. He'd be one of those guys that helps you at that position while you're down a Marcus May to open the season, for instance, if that were to be the case. So really good stuff from Justin Evans. The Saints have 
real good depth all on the secondary, but specifically at safety, which is a really, really nice luxury to have for an NFL team. And speaking of really, really nice luxuries, I have a really, really nice luxury. I get to get questions from you uh, to discuss in these evening episodes. So we're going to lead off with a quick look at the uh, way that the safety adjustments, the safety play might adjust in 2022. What might be different with the combination of Marcus May and Tyron Matthew versus the combination of Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins? And do the New Orleans Saints have one of the top secondaries in the NFL? Why answer all that and more as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. We've got several listens for you per day here on the show, so I I appreciate you uh, being here with us. I want to give one more shout out to the little legend Aries for saying hi today. Uh, I'm saying it in a couple of episodes, just in case, just in case he misses one. I want to make sure that I get a a high in for the young dude. Uh, So yes, big shout out to little Aries coming through today. Uh, so I want to jump into your questions from our live show earlier today, starting off with Dylan Lewis. Hey, Ross. Hey, Dylan. How's it going? Uh, with the absence of Marcus May and his range, can you talk a little bit about the scheme and how it's going to change and how DA is potentially going to change things to work to our safety's ability? So here's what I would say about that. This is a great question, Dylan. What I would say about that is you had two safeties that were very defined in their ability and their role. And Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. And two of the top safeties to be able to do what it is that they respectively do, right? Marcus Williams and his range was perfectly tailored as a deep center field, deep safety, but not necessarily as a guy that could come up into the box and make some stops or or make some plays in the run game. Wasn't much of a tackler, an enforcer in that way. He was somebody you wanted away from the line of scrimmage, making plays and taking away options downfield. He did that extremely well. Malcolm Jenkins, on the other hand, you didn't necessarily want him far away from the line of scrimmage. Instead, you wanted him closer to the line of scrimmage where he can make plays in the run game and make plays in the short area, right? Now, with Tyron Matthew and Marcus May, both of these guys have the ability to do either or, and they can change based upon matchups. They can change based upon game plan. They can even change down by down based on down and distance, game situations, things like that. So that's where the safety play really gets its adjustment with Dennis Allen working with Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. I'd even throw PJ Williams and Justin Evans in there because they both show some versatility as well. PJ Williams has developed as a deep safety, but before that, he really remade his career as a slot corner, meaning that he does really well close to the line of scrimmage. Justin Evans is a big time hitter. He is basically like a dime linebacker when you put him out there, but he can cover deep and has some speed and range as well as we saw with his interception today on Ian Book in coverage with Kevin White. So what changes in terms of the adjustment of safety play is versatility, disguise, um, multiplicity, all of the duplicity, like all of the big words that I can think of. I'm just, I'm just rolling through my lexicon here. But the, the ability to be able to show one thing pre-snap and change it post-snap exists now between those two safeties. Who's going to be deep? Who's going to be up against the line of scrimmage? And how does that change right as the ball is snapped? Are both showing a too high safety look, but you don't know one of, but they might rotate in the cover one while the other one comes down to the box, but you don't know which one's going to do it because they've both done it, right? 
Tyron Matthew has played every position on defense that he can play, right? He hasn't been a defensive interior guy or an edge rusher, but he's blitzed off the edge and he's come through on blitzes up a gaps. So like he's done everything right. In addition to being a deep safety, a box safety, a guy that can play up against the line of scrimmage, a guy that can guard in the slot, a guy that can defend out wide. Marcus May has the same level of versatility, adding specifically the box safety role here recently over the past couple of years, working in that Robert Sala defense. So there's a lot of different ways that this New Orleans Saints defense gets impacted and that safety play adjust based upon its personnel and what Dennis Allen is looking to do with a defense that's going to be predicated on disguise and creating confusion for opposing quarterbacks. So that's the way that I would look at it. Up next, we've got Robert Krause, who wants to know if the Saints have the number one secondary in the league and with the strength of secondary, how much does that help the defensive line and linebackers? Listen, the, the Saints have a fantastic secondary on paper. I can't say that they're going to be the best in the league until we see them on the field. And we haven't even actually seen the entire unit in practice yet, right? Because Tyron Matthews has been away on a private family matter. But what I will say is this. They have just as much talent as anybody else in the NFL. They have phenomenal leadership at all three levels of the defense. And they have a scheme that is built to complement what each one of them is best at. Marcus May is one of the rangiest safeties in the NFL. Demario Davis talking about him earlier today, saying that there are three safeties that he's played with in his career that he considers elite. Ed Reed, Marcus Williams, Marcus May. And he said that he thought of that about Marcus May when they played together in New York when Marcus May was a rookie. So there has been, or so there is absolutely that guy that can be that single high safety for you, the rangy safety that can do all those things. And because of that, you can let your corners be physical man coverage corners that you're willing to leave out on an island. And then you have all of the disruption that you can create at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, or in the box with CJ Garner Johnson and Tyron Matthew. And then, of course, you can rotate Marcus May and Tyron Matthew and probably CJ Garner Johnson as well. So I will say that. And I think all of that helps the defensive line and linebacker, the symbiotic relationship between pass rush and coverage between second-level coverage and third-level coverage, second-level coverage being the linebackers, third-level coverage being the secondary, which includes corners and safeties, knowing that you have that kind of communication behind you, first of all, but also knowing that you have that much talent behind you allows you to be able to play more freely in your own role uh, as a defensive lineman or as a linebacker. Great stuff from Robert there. Uh, Next, I want to go to Rose City. Ross, how is Traquan Smith's season loading? How's he been looking? Um... Traquan's actually been okay. He's been good. Um, he made a really nice catch on the sideline earlier today. Hasn't had many standout moments. Remember his rookie season, he was like a camp beast uh, throughout there. I would give the camp beast crown at wide receiver so far to probably Chris Olave, but I'll throw Kirk Merritt in there as well. Uh, but for, for Traquan, like the big thing is now that the pads are on, we get to see him a little bit more in his role as a run blocker, as a protection player, as somebody that can sort of serve all these different roles. So I think that now this week, you'll probably start to hear a little bit more about Traquan Smith and what he does all over the place, as opposed to without pads on. Uh, We're going to go next to Apollo number one. A question for the later show. Do you think that the defense being dominant over the offense raises questions about the offense uh, so far in training camp? I don't think so, because there's a couple of things to remember here. The offense has less continuity than the defense, right? The defense is majority returning most of its players. There's some changes at key positions like safety, but even right now, you're not dealing with one of those changes because Tyron Matthews is not in the building. So PJ Williams has played the role before is there. So the communication, cohesion, continuity, communication, all that stuff is there for that defense. 
on the offense, you're still working that out, right? You're, you've got Trevor Penning and, and, and James Hurst rotating at, at first team, mostly James Hurst. You've got new wide receivers. You don't have Michael Thomas to your full uh, uh, usage yet, all of that. So there's all of those pieces that I think are, are a big part of it. So I wouldn't say that there's any reason to be concerned about the offense, but you're welcome to feel really good about the defense. And we'll see if these guys can start getting going a little bit more back and forth with one another as the defense, excuse me, as the offense kind of settles in and especially as Michael Thomas gets back out on the field. And we're going to wrap up with basically a pair of questions here from uh, uh, Keeping It Real Who Dat Sports podcast who asked, uh, how's Landon Young looking in pads? Any sign of improvement? But also wants to know about the defensive ends that Trevor Penning was going up against. So Landon Young, I'll tell you this, he had a fantastic presser to where we kind of got to talking about like six offensive line, jumbo tight end sets. If the offensive line sort of looks at that as an additional opportunity to get out on the field, all that. He has a really, really good mind for the game. And he's actually looked pretty good over the course of camp. He's getting first team reps at right tackle in place of Ryan Ramchick every now and then. They're sort of taking it slow with Ryan Ramchick. Ramchick's not showing any signs of injury or anything like that. It's just that like, you know, the guy knows the offense, so you might as well give Landon Young a little bit more opportunity out there. And so he has looked fantastic uh, out there, if we're, if we're being completely honest. Like, I'm not saying that he would be somebody that's going to like jump into a starting role or anything like that, but his ability to play both left and right tackle is something that they're working on. And it sort of makes me wonder, I've sort of been touting Calvin Throckmorton as the guy to where if James Hurst ends up starting at left tackle, that Calvin Throckmorton would become that tackle eligible, that additional sixth offensive lineman. But now throughout camp, I'm actually starting to lean a little bit more to Landon Turner, who's, excuse me, Landon Young, I keep doing that, who is focusing at right tackle for the most part right now, but knows how to play both sides. That could be of, of real good value for New Orleans. So has there been any sign of improvement? Absolutely, when it comes to Landon Young. Trevor Penning, I saw today go up against, here I have my I have my little sheet here. Sorry, give me just a moment. I saw him go up against uh, Scott Patchen, who was a, a new addition right before training camp began, Taco Charlton, and uh, Peyton Turner today. I'm sure he had a couple of other reps against other players, but I might have been watching receivers or something like that during that time. Uh, but he fared really well against Peyton Turner. There was kind of a little like back and forth that happened between them. All good in the hood, though. Nothing to be worried about with all that. Uh, and he struggled a little bit against Taco Charlton, which, again, he's a speed rusher. So that's the kind of guy that you would expect Trevor Penning to have early struggles against. And uh, he also struggled a bit against, um, I want to make sure I get his last name right. He's new to me. So I want to get it. Scott Patchen, uh, formerly of the Colorado State Rams. The other player that I did see him go up against, though, was Carl Granderson. And Carl Granderson bowled through the line, made a play in the backfield on a running back. So that was really good to see from the defensive perspective, not great to see from the Trevor Pinning offensive line perspective. But hey, again, only the first day in pads. This is going to continue to be a process for all of these players. But looking forward to seeing the the progression for Trevor Pinning, especially now with uh, pads on. Uh, Tomorrow is the second day of padded practices on Tuesday. So we'll be live right here again, right after that practice. Uh, one of the big pieces I'm going to be focusing on uh, tomorrow, along with, of course, Paulson Adebo, is going to be uh, the linebacker unit. Uh, Pete Werner, hopefully we get to see him in some team drills, but even still guys like Eric Wilson, the Saints are going to have to figure out what their depth is and how to answer the call when it comes to those linebackers. And I think they have the talent there, but just keeping a closer eye on it would certainly be nice. And then of course, checking out the trenches as always. So I appreciate y'all as always for being here for another episode of Locked on Saints, making us your first listen of the day. And I'll see you tomorrow with yet another pair of episodes 
uh, here on the show. For your next listen today, make sure you go and check out that Locked On NFL podcast. Myself and Luke Braun will get you set up on Tuesday looking over that Deshaun Watson suspension and much more across the NFL. So we'll break all of that down for you in less than 30 minutes, everything you need to know around the league. I appreciate you as always making me a part of your routine, part of your day. If you see me, say hi. And of course, I'll see y'all tomorrow. But for everything you need in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.